there was no way that I was going to get a any licensing for women's sports because obviously it was still taboo. But I went to a lawyer where there's a will, there's a way. And he said, you can get a license under the Ministry of Commerce and under the Chamber of Commerce. And that's how I was able to start up a sports company, yet that functioned as a, a sports club or a sports academy. Richard, today we have an awesome interview with Lena Almaina. Uh, Lena spent well over a decade leading the charge for women's sports in Saudi Arabia, and she was a pioneer in advocating for the benefits of sports, not just for women, but for everyone. In 2006, Lena co-founded Jetty United, one of the leading sports companies in Saudi Arabia. In 2014, Forbes listed her as one of the more, most powerful women in the Arab world. Richard, this was fun. This... I think our our listeners on the podcast, our viewers on the, on the YouTube video, will really enjoy this. This is uh, Lena is authentic, genuine, sincere, uh, enthusiastic about what she's doing. And you mentioned that she t- you know ten years she's still a champion for for uh, women's participation in sports. But um, I think it's she's a, she also and and you'll you know this will come through in the discussion she's uh she's just finishing a term as a member of the Majlis Shura which is um she served there as well sort of taking a hiatus from from uh helping lead the Jetta United Sports Club Lena is remarkable now she would resist that uh description because she's a humble person um but you know I would also um agree with her because I think her point is, all right, whatever you think of me, and I think she's remarkable. I think when you listen to this and watch this, you'll think she's remarkable. The important thing to remember, she's not unique. And by that, I mean, um, and you and I, Lucian, we've met any number of, of Saudi women who, who uh, evince and, and embody the same uh, characteristics as Lena in terms of a real commitment, not only to her, her family and her, her career, but a keen awareness of uh, what their role is and, and how they can contribute to women uh, in terms of their um, progress in Saudi Arabia. And also they see that part and parcel with the larger progress in Saudi Arabia. So you, what will come through in this interview, I think, this discussion is not only all that she's done and all that she's doing, but uh, where she feels that fits into her role as a citizen of Saudi Arabia and how deeply she takes that, she deeply important she thinks that role is. And I think it's something that we often see, I mean, I think as Americans, we forget um, that we all have a responsibility to be good citizens. I think in a young country, and Saudi Arabia is a young country, um, uh, Saudis feel it very closely. You know, we have to represent, we have to commit, we have to be solid citizens because we're all sort of pushing in the same direction. And that comes through strongly with Lena. So, so like I said, I, I, she'll, she'll, I think we can all agree she's remarkable. Uh, she won't accept that, but <laughs> she's not unique. There's a lot of women in Saudi Arabia like her, even as remarkable as she is. So I just think this will be a very interesting discussion for our listeners and our viewers. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's our conversation with Lena Almaina. Your love of sports. When did that begin? So I want to say that the um, my love of sports started at a very like I would say 
I would say I remember me playing soccer with my father, um, playing, um, I would say in school as well. So on uh, several different levels. So from a family perspective, sports was a big part of our entertainment on, on our weekend activities. So that was for sure an integral part of how it you know came about. Also, having been in a private Saudi school, I definitely was exposed to a lot of programs. So all the schools that I went to in Saudi Arabia, even in the 80s and in the 90s, definitely did have PE uh, in it, which is, of course, minority of schools. Um, I also, but I mean, but basketball was actually the number one sport in these private schools because it's just easier to facilitate basketball versus football in terms of the fields and um, so forth. So um, also I have to add that being also um, exposed be because my father um, was in the media, he was, he got to see a lot of the, um, you know, all the celebrities who did come to the kingdom. And a lot of them were sports champions and sports figures like Muhammad Ali Klai. I remember when he came to the kingdom and um, my father hosted him and me as a kid, you know, meeting Muhammad Ali Klai, you know, the greatest um, was a big deal. And I really think these type of encounters along with Imran Khan, the, uh, today's uh, Pakistan's prime minister, but also the uh, world champion in cricket had a lot to do with and my love and passion for sports and even my career in sports in the future. You ended up going abroad to college. You went to, how'd you end up at the University of New Mexico? So my um, cousins are half American. So my uncle is married to um, an American. So my aunt is American basically. And she, um, even though she's from Huntington Beach, California, her sister bought a ranch in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when my cousins graduated, we're all the same um, age and we graduated from high school around the same time and they were going. So my uncle actually uh, said, you know, you're one of my daughters. I want you to go and with his wife and my younger cousin. So we all actually, I went from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in 1995 to uh, the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. Um, at a time where there was hardly any direct flights, even from JFK, but um, it was a great experience. It was it was fantastic, uh, but I wasn't alone. I was around amongst family. So, right. um, and I got to also continue my passion in basketball. I signed up for a class in basketball at the university. It was a credited class, so that was ideal for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I just want to say that I remember once I was interviewed on on CNN. And the assumption was that, you know, the Lena learned basketball in the US. But in reality, I had already, you know, started playing at a very young age, you're talking about elementary level. And I was captain of my um, intermediate and, and high school teams here in Saudi Arabia, learned from Saudi coaches. And my uncle Tariq actually was my first coach. Uh, we had hoops in, you know, in our garages. So that's what we did on the weekends, um, you know, and um, yeah. And I just continued this passion, I guess. So, um, so uh, what would you say is your, your best uh, attribute in terms of basketball? As you know, we, we, Lucia and I played and I played as well. And so, you know, 
I used to be a really good three-pointer, a three-point uh, shooter. I was a center. And I mean, now I play social basketball. Sure. Uh, so I'm not really big on where I'm placed on, whether I'm a one or a five. It really doesn't matter at this point. I like to, I prefer three on three today, <laughs> but you know, it's all good. Then you came back east to George Mason, where actually uh, Lucian earned his master's uh, and you were studying communications. I sure did. I studied uh, communication with a minor in French. And ironically, when I first moved to the U.S. in 95, I was actually a political science major. But then I thought I was thinking in terms of work wise, what are the opportunities at that time for a political science major for a woman? And I actually transferred to communications and you know, who would have thought later on in life that I would venture into into politics? But yeah, so I uh, I did communications and uh, French minor. And you finished up at AU in in the UK, right? American University. For my master's, I did um, right. a psychology and in, in specialized in women's psychology at the American University in uh, London. So Correct. you're 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 set up communications psychology, you know, for whatever. Um, you come back, uh, and, and, in it, and you've always been a champion for women's sports, uh, and we'll get to this later. Um, women's sports is now a priority for the kingdom as a result of vision 2030, but you were, you were very early on this. Uh, and one of the, in 2006, you set up Jetty United sports club. Can you tell us about that? The motivation, uh, how you built it, major challenges, major successes. We'd love to hear about that. So I want to say that um, it was really a social and entrepreneurship initiative. When I started the team, it was because I went, I was going through, I just, you know, um, given birth to my daughter and there was, I was going through a lot of, you know, I would say postpartum depression. There was hardly any opportunities for me to leave for nurseries in the kingdom at that time. My mother was a working grandmother, so I didn't have that option of leaving my, you know, newborn with. And uh, I just was, um, I, I waited until basically my uh, husband would come back from work and I restarted the team. He actually said he played basketball with the guys and, and he was like, you know, there's a family court. Why don't you just uh, call your friends from high school and go play basketball? And to be honest with you, that first practice I had, and I will tell you that it was in March of 2003. Wow. That changed my world. It, it just, my psyche, you know, from 180 degrees, from feeling very stressed, low, depressed, whatever negative emotions that I was going through at the time. And another, in, I would say in exactly 90 minutes, I was on cloud nine. I just felt so energetic, so ecstatic. And I was like, wow, I forgot that feeling. And, you know, and I just felt like, wow, that's how I felt like I was 17 again. And it was really at that point, even though I obviously didn't realize that I was going to start a company that night, but that night I knew that this is something that I was never going to stop. And it took me three years when my mother came up to me and said, when are you going to get a job? You know, you just, you know, <laughs> my mother is a working mother. <laughs> she believes in, you know, you have to be 
a good citizen and an effective citizen. And you can combine being a good mother and being productive in society. And she raised five kids working as a radio journalist at the Ministry of Information at the time. She um, was one of the first um, TV, uh, she read the news on Saudi TV for a while. And I remember watching my mother as a really young, young girl, watching my mother read the news in the 70s, like in the late 70s. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You know, it's, it's not a choice for me. I can't just sit at home and it's not an excuse. My daughter's three, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the turning point where we found a loophole. There was no way that I was going to get a, any licensing for women's sports because obviously it was still taboo, but I could easily get a, well, not easily, but I went to a lawyer where there's a will, there's a way. And he said, you can get a license under the Ministry of Commerce and under the Chamber of Commerce. And that's how I was able to start up a sports company, yet that functioned as a, a sports club or a sports academy. Uh, so so you, you, you did a loophole through the, the Council of Saudi Chambers at the time. You set up the Jetta United. And where did it go from there? Was it, was it a great response? Was there terrific interest? So we grew from, I don't know, an eight, uh, eight women or 10 women to a 500 plus uh, sports academy that catered to women and youth because a lot of these women had kids, they had siblings, they had brothers, they had um, uh, sisters. So we grew into um, really an academy and we were, we weren't able to cater to all the, all the demand and the requests of um, people in, in Jeddah uh, that wanted to enroll in basketball specifically as a team sport. And um, especially at a time where there was hardly any entertainment, there were no you know, movie theaters, um, not that many activities, especially sports activities. So there was a lot of interest and we weren't able to cater to that demand. So we had to expand because we felt like it's not just about Jeddah, it's about the kingdom as a whole. So we opened a branch in um, 2010. So four years later in, in the Eastern province in Riyadh in 2011, because mm -hmm. we wanted this to be a national um, campaign. And we had international goals as well. And our main international goal was to change stereotypes of Saudi women um, around the world. So we traveled the world really from Malaysia to the East to all the way to the United States and the West, uh, you know, Compe going through com competing, right? Friendly games, but yeah, yeah, like friendly, friendly competitions. Yes. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Yeah. They weren't <laughs> tournaments. They were just friendly games, but the, uh, behind the, uh, objective behind it was to, of course, to, to learn and to advance and to gain experience, but, Really, in my heart, it was to just change stereotypes of Saudi women across the globe. So this is 06, founded in 06. You expanded to the eastern province and across, and then Riyadh in 2011. Um, uh-huh. And what, what kind of headwinds in terms of just operational? I mean, it's, it, running a business is tough full-time, especially when you're, you're doing it, trying to do it on a global level. Um, right. What were your biggest challenges in, so in terms of the, the company human capital i mean you're talking about like there was no um 
professionals in sports, female professionals in, in sports, at least on a local level. But we were, we were lucky because they were international, um, you know, whether they were right. um, like uh, foreigners married to Saudis or just uh, foreigners in, who are working in Saudi in, in different schools as teachers uh, or in, in schools and universities. So we were able to, you know, find that type of quality, like high level quality from all over the world, from from uh, Arab uh, countries like uh, Syria and from France and Europe, American coaches. Um, and that's how we were able to, you know, maintain our academy throughout, you know, the past 15 years. That's um, great. That's your own little bit of this only little basketball technology transfer because they're bringing in their skills and their coaching absolutely. philosophies. 100%. I'm really interested in how um, your businesses were impacted by the coronavirus because it's such a social enterprise and it's children. Could you talk a little bit about that? Like when you found out about corona, the coronavirus and how you managed it, it and it looks like everything's back, but. It's risky because it's a contact sport, obviously. And especially there where we went by the rules of the Ministry of Sports. So when we shut down for an X um, number of months, but then obviously we followed the rules of the ministry. So um, you also have to look at it from another perspective, which is the immunity perspective. And this is huge. So yet, yes, you wanted to be safe, yet it's very important for your immunity to play sports and exercise and have that physical uh, activity component if you wanted to uh, fight uh, COVID. So it was really, it was kind of like, what's the word? It was a big, um, you know, it, it was the struggle basically between yes, being safe on one hand, but exercising and the importance of exercising on another uh, to basically um, be strong enough to fight uh, uh, COVID, et cetera. And we managed, we're so lucky. I mean, Saudi Arabia is one of the, I think the second uh, most um, advanced country in terms of the world, in terms of how it uh, uh, dealt with COVID. And, um, you know, we're, we were very lucky. Our, you know, the nation was very much uh, abiding to all the rules and the regulations. And when you also look at it also, I want to say that 70% of the frontliners globally were women. And this was yeah. huge because yeah. the women in, uh, globally had a lot to do with um, how to fight COVID and how to, you know, it, it was just, like I said, it was tough times. But one thing I, I think if, for me, one of the most important lessons that we learned as a universe is that um, it was one of the most uni uniting times of our lives across the globe. We were all united, regardless of you know, race, religion, gender, ethnicity, et cetera. And we felt like we had the same, we're fighting the same enemy, uh, worried about the same, you know, had same concerns, wishing for the same, um, you know, um, situation and um, so forth. So I think this is also, some, you know, one of the blessings uh, of, uh, of COVID. And I just wish, uh, safe for a safe world just like anyone else yeah interesting um so 
I, I don't want to leave Jenny United because it's a business and that's what I find really interesting. But you were you were named to the the Mudges Asura in 2016. Uh, you know, for listeners, this is uh, the, the consultative assembly in Saudi Arabia, 150 members by mandate, excuse me, 30 of them are, are women. Um, this was, since it was established, I think this was the third sort of group to go through. Is that correct? Second. 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 All right. Um, was this a surprise? Absolutely. If you ask me what was the, you know, unexpected really um, appointment that ever happened to you, uh, I would say definitely the Shura Council. So in, on April uh, 25th, 2016, Vision 2030 was announced. And that was, I don't want to say music to my ears is not even the word. It was one of the most, I mean, a turning point in my career life because I felt like women's sports, now we're talking about increasing participation from 13% to 40%, but there's no, it's not gender related. So we're talking about both genders. It's for everyone. So I felt really, I felt like I, everything that I was doing in the past decade was turning, what crystallized on that day, on the 25th of April. Eight months later or so, I was appointed in the Shore Council. You can imagine how it wasn't about me. It was about women's sports and how it is part of the country's objectives, not from only as obviously a sports perspective, but you're talking about from an economic, from a social, from a health perspective, because oh my, there was yeah. a lot of things going on. There was how many billions of Saudi rials being spent on treating diseases due to the fact of lack of movement. Um, so it just really made sense, even from a point of, you know, having continued my master's in, in psychology, also the fact that how it is an amazing way of just feeling good about yourself. We talk about the pillar of um, um, uh, vibrant society, right. how happiness, you know, the, the, the happiness pillar that you need to, that we want to make sure that the, the citizens and uh, the residents of Saudi Arabia are just happy and enjoying, you know, quality of life. So for, for me, that's what I was doing. Can I take a moment to give a shout out to your mom sure. and your Absolutely. dad? For sure. For um, sure. As, as you know, I've been involved in Saudi Arabia for a long time. Um, there was a your mom, Summer Fatani, and your dad, Kala Maina, are, are members of a really special and unique uh, group of Saudi patriots, I call them, called the Committee for International Trade, which is part of the Council of Saudi Chambers in the past, now the Federation of Saudi Chambers. This group was started in the 80s uh, by Suleiman Olian and, 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 a, and a, some really, really influential Saudis. Uh, for the purpose of taking uh, private sector individuals, best and the brightest, men and women, to, to help with external trade relations. So these were, these were volunteer private sector Saudis mm -hmm. who were invited to join this, this uh, Committee for International Trade. And on their own coin, on their own initiative, go out and engage with the world. And so I've worked with Committee for International Trade, CIT, for, for, for decades. Uh, and they've done uh, things that nobody else has done. And this started, again, uh, you know, this started way back when uh, it was reinvigorated after 9-11. Uh, um, but 
I, you know, so they were doing outreaches, they're doing major trade delegations, any number of things, but there, I got to know your mom through this and your mom, along with uh, women like uh, Thrayla Rayad and Dr. Salwa Hazar, two women who preceded you as members of the Shura Council, uh, they would come on delegations and I would never forewarn people, you know, we're talking with the World Affairs Council or some civic society, I would never forewarn them of what they were gonna see. And people would just walk away bewildered because these women were strong, they were intelligent, dignified, um, articulate, and people would just, wait a second, this doesn't fit any preconception. And, and they were just a special group of, CIT is a special group, but these women were particularly outstanding. And, um, and th so that's my shout out. I apologize, but I I'm not surprised you're where you are no. because I, I know no. your mom and uh, she's a really impressive human being. Thank you very much. I really, uh, thank you for your kind words. And, and I have to say that that's, we always felt like we were always responsible for any delegation that, well, they were responsible when any delegation, any visitor, any tourist came to the country at a time where, you know, we didn't have tourist visas, but they always liked to greet them. They always had a lot of all these, you know, even with uh, different embassies, welcome the new, when Jeddah consul generals, and I mean, I remember even a lot of the media uh, figures like Barbara Walters, I remember meeting her when she came to Saudi Arabia. So they always felt like they wanted, especially in the light that there were so many misconceptions, Saudi Arabia being one of the most stereotyped countries in the world, pre-vision, of course, 2030, they felt like they were, it was their responsibility as media, um, you know, journalists to um, give the true at least their point of view of a lot of, um, you know, different segments of uh, Saudi society. And I guess that's where I got it from. Called off to serve your country as a member of the Shura. Um, how'd, you, how'd you spend your time with the Shura? What were your committees, your focus, your priorities? Right. So as much as I was honored, I was very humbled at the same time. And I felt very responsible. And as, also a writer, I felt like, you know what, it's my opportunity to, obviously, we are the voice of the people, and specifically, obviously, for women, both genders, but for women specifically, the things that were not options for them now are, and I, I remember the first two years I was in the health committee, obviously, you talk about, um, you know, psyche, and uh, so that was also important from a mental perspective and a health perspective, uh, an emotional health um, so I, um, I tried to focus on that and it's obviously a relationship to sports, but I pushed for one of my recommendations. One, one of my first recommendations was to integrate PE in government schools, just because I was in a private school doesn't mean that you don't think about the majority. And even though the vision was announced, but still you need to push for these recommendations to just, um, fasten the pace. Basically it was coming, but we just kind of pushed for it. And I remember 24 hours after the uh, recommendation was discussed under the, the dome of the Shura Council, the Minister of Education announced the integration of PE in government schools. So to me, that was one of the biggest, I mean, obviously there were a lot of other things that we proposed, but I remember that vividly because it was just so amazing that it was just 24 hours later. 
And um, obviously a lot of things, I mean, we pushed because I had an issue finding qualified coaches. So I also had another recommendation regarding um, opening up sports science um, department, like, you know, whether departments or colleges in um, the uh, female, whether the university, the universities in general. And um, so that also, you know, unfolded, um, eventually it unfolded. Uh, some were uh, directly from the council, but some were just uh, a natural, let's say, transformation. And I think everybody plays a role in society. I think the media has a lot to do with the Shura Council, of course, um, NGOs, you know, just um, citizens as a whole. It's a responsibility of every different uh, person, regardless of where they are, to take part in this uh, transformation and to contribute uh, in their, uh, you know, with whatever they can. So, um, you know, recycling, I'm a big, I'm very green. So I remember like I had a few different recommendations in terms of uh, trying to uh, use the biodegradable plastics and just kind of like um, ban this uh, plastic that's just, uh, you know, whatever what happens in the shores of California will affect the Red Sea. And it's very important to be responsible globally. Also, you know, uh, committees, I like I said, I was between health committees in the environment committee and the social uh, affairs committee. So this uh, social affairs sports uh, committee was also the last committee that I was in. Um, I was also obviously a member a, a, a of the um, parliamentary friendship group. So we traveled the world and went to different uh, parliaments, Switzerland, um, Pakistan, uh, uh, you know, the East also. Um, I was in um, uh, other countries. Morocco with the aim of, you know, just building bridges between. The As a member of the Mudgeless, they want you sort of your focus to be there, uh, you know, to really be on, on those, your commitments and your responsibilities as a member of the Mudgeless, which of course, obviously uh, took you away from Jetta United. So you, your, your term has, has um, ended and you're now going back what awaits you? What are your plans? I, I, I'm sure you're excited to be back into this. So in the four years, I just want to say that, you know, the, the for, for the women, especially the commuters, I mean, there are a lot of men and women, obviously, who commute. But yes, it was not easy. Um, it was four years and I was, and I hope that, you know, um, how do I put it? Um, so basically from 2016 to 2020, which is my four-year term, it was, in my opinion, the most um, crucial term for women because it just followed the announcement of Vision 2030. It was the transformation, you know, years. And that's where the bulk of the empowerment, you know, policies and rules and the regulations um, basically were being um, formed. Uh, so that was really special. And I felt so, um, I felt like the, I was on a mission in the, in all these four years, having been, you know, you have to travel, you leave, um, you know, you commute basically. So I remember my, my son was very big and he used to ask me each and every time, what did you propose? I remember. <laughs> so, um, Believe it or not, I mean, 
I, you learn things from kids. And some of the things that he said to me, I did actually got a chance to talk about. It was giving another, just how I was learning from my mom. I was learning from my parents how to just keep giving and just give and just, you got to be generous when it comes to society. I hope that that was the sacrifice, you know, as of course, leaving your youngsters and, and having to travel and spending, you know, how many nights uh, every other week. I hope that this is a, a lesson that I would give to them that just to keep giving and, you know, just, it's never enough, you know, ask not what uh, your country will do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's definitely something I'm going to quote. And that's how I really felt. Honestly, that's how I felt. And I still do. But what, what are your plans going forward? So I'm also the vice president of the sports for all federation. I'm honored to be in that federation. And, um, you know, this is, um, where, you know, uh, Princess Rima, our ambassador in the U.S., was heading before uh, she became ambassador. And now it's headed by Prince uh, Khalid al-Walid bin Talal. And um, I'm still very much involved with uh, sports uh, throughout the kingdom. It's not just the private initiative, but, but I still have that, you know, um, responsibility to keep promoting and keep pushing uh, as much as I can. And we were uh, just in Riyadh a while back, and I participate in the opening game in the Global Goals uh, World Cup because it is a universal language, you know, that's how we connect with the world and, um, you know, share beautiful uh, messages of peace and, you know, sending out whatever message through that language of sports. So throughout my 15 years um, in, in Jeddah United or Riyadh United, we had tournaments and these tournaments would have like messages like the no smoking tournament or the drink milk tournament for kids or the, um, uh, you know, breast cancer uh, uh, tournament. Right. And a lot of people thought we were nonprofit because they didn't realize that, oh, you know, you can have a win-win situation. And we tried to, you know, use sports for good, whether it was sending good messages or promoting the sports or health benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But we tried to also be very much in tune with our identity. And I'm big on that. As a mother of two daughters, I think it's very important to not lose a uh, touch of, you know, who you are. And I always say a person without a history is a person without a future. And it's very important to look at it in that perspective. So, um, and that's also very much part of Vision 2030. Yes, it is globalization, yet it's also, you know, uh, national identity. It's very, and I'm, I'm very big on that as well. You, do you want to give us a tour? I sure do. Let's, I think this would be a perfect time for that. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. So, all right. So I will take you on a tour. The girls are, it's, it's live and I will just show you what the girls are doing right now. We're here at the Academy. This is, uh, let me introduce you. Let me We're at the Academy I, in Jeddah, let, right? Correct. Let me see. Oh, that's a nice facility. That's the, well, the flooring is actually imported from California because we tried to get like um, high technology for the, um, you know, shock, uh, what do you right. call it? Absorption. Absorption and, yeah. Correct. So these are the young girls here training. Unfortunately, they're not playing a game. You would have seen more skills, but yeah. Well, no, this is really interesting. This is, um, 
And you can, what do you do in high summer? Oh, believe it or not, uh, it's very healthy to play outdoors. And especially now, honestly, post COVID, it's really, I mean, we, we were very lucky because um, like according to research, 67% or so of, you know, you were a higher, higher risk of uh, getting Corona if you were in indoor facilities. So we were very lucky. And this is actually exactly one of the reasons why we chose to have an outdoor facility for health reasons. You want the vitamin D, you want the sunlight, you want the fresh air. Um, and then also, you know, it's not just a COVID, but before that, you know, you were, you had the bird flu, you had so many different other viruses. And, and this was a great way for us to feel like we want to always be healthy and safe. So yes, it's hot, it can get hot, but mind you, we do not play obviously until the afternoons. Right. Um, so we play like after five. So it's not like we're playing like brought like at the middle mid of the day, you know? Right. So that's, yeah. and I wanted to introduce you here also to my partner, um, Basma Al-Husseini. So this Hi, facility we started uh, five years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we have different branches and we, we think it's really important to, <laughs> well, Basma, to you know, but Basma, you're tall, so you clearly have game, right? Yeah, I'm really tall. I'm 176, <laughs> I guess. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So by default, <laughs> I have to play basketball. <laughs> but it's a beautiful game. Like you work out every muscle in your body. So it's really good for your health also. I think it's the best game in the world. It's the best combination of team and individuality. And you know what? That's what Mina is doing here. She's implementing ethics, sportsmanship, everything so it's not only about like physical workout it's also for your uh, for spiritual for everything and i think that you know talk about competitive sports and we all know there's a dark side to it as as hard it is for me to say it you know sometimes when you see teams you can see some hate on the court but we're really big on trying to promote good sportsmanship too that honestly would be the difference between like a good academy when you just don't focus on the win only like per se but it's also a lot of other different values with like throughout the the sport or when you teach the sport i believe and this is someone who's played team sports solutions the same way who's coached all his life i believe team sports teaches everything you need to know about life that's my, my sense. And, you know, when you start, when we started speaking, Lena, you said, you know, I went out in 03 um, and, you know, invited my friends out there and it was just transformative, you know, when you first played and, you know, and, and uh, honestly, that camaraderie that you get with team sports is unlike anything else. And it teaches you so many things. So I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing and, 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 and agree hundred percent on why it's important. Thank you for saying that. I just want to say, we do have actually a, um, we're a co-ed academy. So we have a big boys like and men's division that okay. not a lot of people like media, especially here, like to focus on the women's division more. But in reality, we are a both gender academy. Um, Basma, what's your background? I studied the English literature. I lived in Vancouver for seven years with my husband. He was studying uh, medical in medical school. I have four girls who are also they're tall, just like me, and they're playing basketball too. 
what else? I don't this know. was a long time friend. So we yeah. were family friends from a long time. And, you know, this was one of those dedicated mothers, you know, with four girls and she, you know, her beginning of her career, she was just, you know, in, obviously in Canada for seven years and she just was raising her girls. And then she called me one day and she said, Lena, we have a piece of land. Are you interested to have a division here? And I said, of course. And the rest is history. Because I do believe in Lena, she did a lot in Saudi Arabia where it was really hard to find a place to uh, play basketball. So, and she has passion to do it. And it's not only about, it's a business, but it, she has passion. Like it's a beautiful place. It's a happy place where everyone is uh, enjoying each other. So that's why I like, I found that it's really special to be partnered with such a lady, like it's a big name. Lena is no. a very big name. Okay, here. I'm getting well, flattered like true. a lot, you know. Editing. I didn't. I didn't prepare anything. And I just you put. Sorry, I put on this spot. I'm so sorry. It's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, promise me if you, <laughs> next time, next time, Lucia and I are in Jeddah, we can come by and see the facility. For sure. We'd for be sure. honored. We'd be honored to have you. Yeah. And I want to introduce you to someone else who is also one of the founding like players, and now she is an assistant coach. Her name is Tam Sadiq. So she's she says she's shy, but hi. <laughs> hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So you're in a, you're in a coach there. Yeah, yeah, I just started coaching like a few months ago. That's exciting. Are you are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot a good harder. It's a it's a lot harder to coach than play, isn't it? It is, yes, <laughs> especially when the kids are naughty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how? Uh, what's your secret in terms of uh, getting the kids uh, motivated and and engaged? Uh, well, there's no no secrets really, but like we try to encourage the the girls to watch our games, so they get motivated to do better so you you're playing so you're 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 on a, you're on a team and are there levels yeah. of teams so there are levels of teams yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I'm playing for the advanced team uh and we're part of the the national league oh fascinating so yeah. uh is this a is, is this age group related the age uh, group related? Plus. uh 18 plus all right, I got you. So, so when you talk about the national team, so you, are you competing in tournaments around the in various tournaments? Uh, no, we're we're in the national league, meaning we're playing against uh, different cities that are in oh. Saudi. This was the one yeah. that was just. This was the one that has recently started, right? Yes, yes. Just, just it just had uh, we had one season only. So this is exciting. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, you didn't have this opportunity. No. <laughs> That's tremendous. How many teams are in the league? How many teams? Uh, last year, I think like maybe 12. From different, from different cities. For, for our city, there was uh, four. And last year was a strange year with the, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So uh, this year will be a little more normal, hopefully. That's really I interesting. I think so, yeah. Uh, where do you play your games in in uh, local high schools arenas? Uh, stadium, yeah, 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 stadium, uh, local stadium. And do you have uh, do fans come in? Last year we weren't allowed any audience, right? But because of COVID, so hopefully this year they'll 
they'll imply like some rules and they will allow audience hopefully <laughs> that's that's tremendous that's tremendous lena yeah. you should be so proud <laughs> i really am and i just want to say that i remember in 2000 and um 2008 we had a joint program uh, with the um, WNBA uh, through the uh, State Department. And we had Lynette Woodard come and visit um, oh, really? vis visit our team in 2008, <laughs> correct? Wow. And she said, she talked about Title IX and the struggles that, you know, women in the U.S. had before Title IX, basically. And it really, and I've always loved to read about the history of women's sports and the history of just women empowerment throughout the world. And I think we are no different. We are a young nation, you know, was um, united in 1932. So when you look at the uh, time frame, you know, I think we have, and especially uh, after Vision 2030, I just, I don't want to say, I mean, I want to say that it's just, it has, for me, it's, I look at it as miraculous. We, we were, we did not have women's sports. We did not have women attending any stadiums. We did not have, um, you know, national teams. We didn't have any leagues. We had almost hardly anything really. Let, I would say hardly anything to today. Look at leagues, look at, you know, um, six of our girls. This is something I say with pride and a sense of accomplishment. Six of our girls made it to the national team in 2019 that participated in the GCC tournament in Kuwait so it's it feels good that you're it's crystallizing it's not just you know we're able to reap the fruits basically and and taste it and just this you know sense of success not it's not about as again it's not the business perspective but it's just the feeling of um what we what has come out of it like I said every time I see a success story I feel like it's um it's my own.